0: So we are about uh, four days away from um, Turkey Day, from Thanksgiving. I, uh, I love Thanksgiving. I can finally have my pumpkin latte in peace without John Rigby, bless his heart, giving me a hard time. Uh, keep John in your prayer. Um, in your prayers, by the way. I just texted him this morning. Uh, he's uh, healing up good. So we miss you, J- John. We love you. We hope to see you again soon. I don't think he's here today but we do love you. So I'll tell you a quick story. Um, When I was a kid, um, this was one of my favorite times of the year. And I I absolutely love Thanksgiving. I I was lucky enough, fortunate enough, to grow up um, during my early childhood to have such a rich and fullness of tradition with family during the holiday season. I, I remember vividly, Every single holiday, we would go over to my grandparents' house, my my father's parents, and we would just spend the day, every holiday, with them, and I I just loved it so much. And listen, so most of you know, my family's from Puerto Rico, um, but my paternal great-great grandfather um, immigrated from Italy uh, to Puerto Rico and married a beautiful uh, Indian woman on the island, and here we are. Puerto Rican kid with an Italian last name who knew and so what I loved about and what I do love about the holiday season and as I explain this maybe you'll understand why I loved it so much is um, my grandparents spread at the table was amazing okay it was kind of eclectic, but we had a mix of all kinds of foods. We had lasagna, and we had spaghetti and meatball and gravy. That's Italian talk for spaghetti, uh, spaghetti sauce. We had the gravy, we had uh, mashed potatoes, and we had um, potato salad, and we had the pork roast, which is a traditional Puerto Rican dish, and we had all kinds of amazing food. I mean, you name it, turkey, the traditional turkey, and the ham with the pineapples and all of that. I mean, the food was absolutely amazing, and those are just some of the main courses. We're not even talking about the side dishes. And so you can understand why I love and still do. My grandmother is still alive. She's my last remaining grandparent who's still with us. And she lives about 10 minutes down the road in Ellesmere. She's still alive, 84 years old, bless her heart. And um, I just love those times. But you know what I love more than anything during that time of the year? I love just walking in the door. And some of you might, maybe you can relate... Um, I remember distinctly as a child, when I walked in the door, I was welcomed first by the aroma in the place, the smell of all the cooking going on, but more importantly, everyone was excited to see me. Okay, we were excited to see everyone, I just thought it was me. But we were excited to see each other, and we welcomed each other with such warmness and openness. And, and I think that was probably what made this really um, that special time for me, that no matter who you were, whether you were new to the family, as Rosa once was many moons ago, new to our family, if you were new to the family or you were just a guest, everybody had a, t- had a place at my abuela's table. Everyone, it didn't matter whether you were new or just a guest, everyone had a place. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. I want to talk to you guys today on the topic, your seat at the table. And so today we're going to take some time... To look at some scripture. We're going to be in the book of Luke again today. Last week we were in Luke 15. We're going to go back one chapter and we're going to examine a parable in Luke 14. So you can go there, get yourselves ready there in Luke uh, 14. Has anybody ever received an invitation to dinner and you knew right away, very quickly, I had to figure out a way to get out of this dinner. Anybody ever? Come on, y'all got to be honest. We've all been there. Okay, and you had to think really quickly on your feet of a really good excuse of why you couldn't attend dinner. Now, as a pastor, I've heard a lot of excuses in my day. And you can ask any of our leaders and pastors in this room, we hear a lot of excuses. So if you need one to get out of dinner, let us know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But no, really, we try to make up excuses of how to get out of stuff. And and jokingly, I, I say that, but you know who's really heard all the excuses? The Lord has heard them all. God has heard every single excuse under the sun. Sadly, the most common thing that God gets excuses about is why people can't receive the free gift of forgiveness and the free gift of salvation. God is always getting excuses about why people can't receive these free gifts that don't cost them a thing. But listen, it's these excuses that we make with God, beloved, that keep us from his love what we're doing when we make excuses to God is we're actually turning our nose up at God's desire to welcome us to his table we turn our nose up at his love and his grace so today I want to read to you a couple of examples from the text of a few people who made excuses about rejecting their place in God's table But before we do that, again, we're going to be in Luke chapter 14. Hopefully, you're there already. But before we do that today, let's pray. Father, we thank you today for, first of all, Lord, welcoming us into your chambers. We thank you that it was through the door, the gate that is Jesus, that we can come into your very presence We don't take it for granted, Lord, for once we were lost, once we were out in the cold, but you brought us in, Father. So we ask today, Father, that you allow your word to penetrate into our hearts, that we may be drawn closer and closer and closer to you. So we thank you, Lord, for the reading and the revelation of your word. We thank you. And the people of God say, amen. 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 Now, you guys know, normally... I like to take the time to read the text and then we break it down. We dissect it. But I want to do something a little different today. Um, I want to take the text in pieces and I want to just spend some time uh, talking with you about these um, different pieces of this text. Again, we're going to start in verse 15 of Luke chapter 14. And I'll give you the background so we understand where we are. And so Jesus in this um, text, in chapter 14, Jesus is actually at a party right now, so to speak. He's at dinner. And he's at dinner with some leaders, Jewish leaders at this time. And at this dinner, they see someone who is sick. They're not well. And Jesus challenges the Pharisees. He takes the person aside, he heals them, and he sends this person away. Now, again, Jesus is challenging the Pharisees about the work that he is doing and working on the Sabbath, which is one of their principal reasons for wanting to crucify Jesus. But Jesus goes on and he challenges them. And we end up here in verse 15, where after Jesus would finish challenging the Pharisees, there was this awkward silence. And this person spoke up, And I'll read verse 15 so you understand where we are. It says, when one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, said to him. This is trying to break up that awkward silence after Jesus just checked the the religious leaders. They say, blessed is everyone who will eat the bread of the kingdom of God. Trying to break the awkward silence. And Jesus goes on and he says, now we're in verse 16. Now we're going to read just 16. Uh, and 17 here, and then we'll have a brief discussion about it. In verse 16, he says, but he said to him, a man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready now. Now, Jesus was speaking to the people at a time where they understood this context. They understood what Jesus was saying, because in that time, much like today, we extend invitations to dinner ahead of the dinner. But in this day, when everything was ready, the man of the banquet would send a servant or servants, depending on how big the banquet was going to be, to make a final call to come that everything was ready to be received. And so he helped them to understand this. Now remember, in Jesus' parables, he's revealing things that seem to have been concealed. And as we look at the scripture, we see that this is no ordinary man. This man is a man who prepared the scripture says a great banquet now, he didn't just want a few people in this banquet it says that he wanted many people to attend he wanted many guests now in this text it's interesting that there in just a few sentences of this text jesus tells the entire history and relationship of God to his people Israel in just a very few short sentences and what God is helping us to understand here in this text and we're going to get to the excuses here in just a moment but what God is trying to reveal to us is that he is inviting everyone to the banquet why because God wants us to live a life where we are always at his banquet where we are always at the table with God. And what did he do? God sent his servant in Jesus to let us know that the table is ready. So let's look at this scripture a little further. I want to read to you really quickly the next few verses, and then we'll we'll discuss it a little more. In verse 18, it says, But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land, and I need to go back and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have brought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to try them out. Please consider me excused. And another one said, I have married a wife, and for that reason, I cannot come. Now, before we get into the excuses that we just read here, I want to talk for a moment about what's on the menu. Because, see, if you're being invited to a banquet, if you have a place at the table, wouldn't you want to know what's on the menu? Would you go to a banquet if you didn't know what was on the menu? That's a big deal, right? The food is a big deal at the banquet. So let me tell you what's on the menu. See, what's on God's menu is this amazing, tasty bread in the person of Jesus called the bread of life. And at this table, eating that bread brings us a forgiveness of sin. Eating that bread gives us a redemption and salvation that we can't find and we can't get anywhere. What's also at this table is unlimited refills of this amazing living water. A water, guys, that will invigorate you, that will energize you through the Holy Spirit and will lead you to a life of service to God. And so this beautiful water, this beautiful food will do exactly what Jesus says when he says, if you receive it, you will never hunger and you will never thirst. But what's great about all of this is when we go to banquets, a lot of times there's a, there's a fee for a plate. There's a cover charge. But with this banquet, it's free. See, there is absolutely no cost to this banquet. It is absolutely free. God prepared it. God invited us to receive it. Let me read to you a few scriptures to help you understand what I mean. And you don't have to turn there. I want to read to you really quickly from Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 reads, just verse one and two, it says, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Let me take you to the end of the book. Let me take you to Revelations twenty-two seventeen. This says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. You see, God's great banquet, everyone hear this God's great banquet, your place, your table at his banquet is absolutely free. It lasts forever. And here's the great news you're invited. I said amen when I wrote that. Okay, (laughs) amen. So, giving up our seat, giving up our place, as we're talking and then we're in this season of Thanksgiving and we're about to go meet with our family and sit at this table, sit at our own banquet tables. It is foolish for us to give up our seat at God's banquet table And and I I think it's foolish when we realize and we see what it is that we will miss if we surrender our seat. The tragic fact of the matter is, if we miss God's meal now, we're going to miss God's meal, his banquet table in heaven. This is serious business, and sometimes we don't really think that it is. And I know it's hard to believe that anyone would even think, that anyone would even contemplate giving up or relinquishing their, t- their place, their seat at God's table. But that's exactly what we do every day. Our friends, our family, and even fellow Christians are walking away and relinquishing their seat at the table. That's hard to imagine, but it happens Now, let's look at three examples in this text really quickly, again, that we just read about three individuals who gave away their seat, who said, thank you, no thank you. Let's look at this. Now, these didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me as I looked at this, and there were a couple things that jumped off the pages at me. One, the first person—well, first, these are the lamest excuses I've ever heard. That's, That's first. Totally lame. The first person says, Uh, listen, I, um, as they're thinking really quickly about what they're going to say, the first person says, listen, I I bought a field, um, but I got to go look at it. So please excuse me, who buys a field? Who buys property before they looked at it? Okay. The next guy says, I bought oxen. I bought five yokes, 10 oxen, five yokes of oxen, I got to go try them out. No self-respecting good farmer is going to buy some field animals before they've tried them out. Sorry excuse. And the last person says, hey, I just got married. So please excuse me. I don't know about you, but if we got any single couples in the room that you're married but no children, you really don't miss out on too many parties. So there's no excuse. Here's free food, here's a good time, here's good fellowship, and this newly married single couple says, I can't make it. Doesn't really hold water. The second thing that struck me as being foolish about these excuses is that all of these guests said, I would rather work than go to this party. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't think any of us would say, I'm going to go to work instead of going to a party, but okay. But the point is, there is a deliberate attempt to relinquish their seat at the table, and they don't even realize how serious it is. And this is something that we do every single day in our lives is we attempt to relinquish our table and let me understand, help you understand what I mean. There are some real spiritual significance to what we're talking about in this text. There, see, there, there's a very subtle rejection in this text. It almost seems like it's a really polite thank you, no thank you, can't really make it. See, they think that the things in their lives, the stuff that they got going on is more important than being in attendance at this banquet. What does that mean to us? See, I think that the spiritual danger for us is not so much this kind of overt, um, kind of rudely rejecting of God's invitation. I don't really think that's the danger. See, I think the danger is the careless apathy of how we treat God's invitation. See, I think it's this carelessness that we, 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 we prioritize these futile things of no eternal consequence over the eternal significance of being at his banquet table. And so at first glance, these excuses, they seem like they're legit. They might even seem righteous. Some of your excuses actually seem the same way. Let me say our excuses, because I, I make so many of them myself. Some of our excuses are, you know what, I, I, I got to skip church this Sunday, because, and most Sundays, because quite truthfully, I, I got to work to take care of my family. Now, when that might seem like a righteous thing that God wants us to take care of our families, and no doubt that he does, what I would say to you was, and I'm not beating anyone up who has to work on weekends because we have plenty of people here who do, but I present this to you. Could it be perhaps that your wants have become your needs? And that you're so busy filling your life with the things that you want, and now they become things that you think that you need, like a new big screen TV, a new car, the latest gadget you fill in the blank, whatever it is, we want to fill our lives with so much stuff, and now we got to work a little extra to pay for it. What's your priority? Or maybe you may say, you know, I, I just don't have time for a family devotional. Okay, well, that, that might seem like that's legit too, but what's more important than taking in the bread of life from the word of life at home? You might even um, go as far as saying, you know, listen. Um, going or coming in early for sunday for whatever reason we have to come in early on sundays whether it's to prep for children's church or it's a bible study early in the morning and then having to stay after service for whatever meeting i got too much stuff going on i can't do all that that takes up half of my day i just can't do it and sure guys listen we all got stuff going on we all have busy schedules But what's more important in eternity your football game your nap because some of y'all nap when y'all get home tell the truth i do sometimes what's more important those things or the fellowship and the worship and the communing with the saints on a sunday what's more important you might even go as far as saying to yourself well Listen, Sunday's my only day to sleep in, and I got a busy week ahead of me, so I can't come to service because I got to sleep in. I need to get some rest so I can get my week prepared. Yeah, I get that, but can I be honest with you? It really just doesn't hold water. Now, I shared with you and I wrote down those few excuses not to convict or not to condemn any of you, because to be honest with you, every one of those excuses that I just laid out for you are mine. I have said and made every one of those excuses. And the issue was never my life. It was never my schedule or my stuff. The issue was my priority what was my priority see we have to put first things first Jesus even said it to Martha Martha was complaining that Mary was just sitting and reclining at his feet and Martha was running around as she was working and Jesus says you are worried and upset about many things but only one thing is needed what was the one thing Jesus was talking about the one thing that jesus was talking about in that text was the plate of god's word that serves us his amazing salvation he goes on in matthew chapter 6 verse 33 where he says and this is most of you know this scripture he says but seek first the king his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well See, when we put God, when we put his word and his business first in our lives, something interesting happens, and many of you, I'm sure, have testimonies to this very fact. When we put his business first, somehow our business seems to handle itself. Our material needs, our priorities, our circumstances, they seem to just work themselves out. So not only is it foolish for us to give up our seat at the banquet table of God because of what we will miss, but I think it's also foolish because substituting our place at the table for the things of the world is foolish because the things of the world are worthless. The things of the world have no eternal value. See, anything of the world that pulls us away from the Lord will never satisfy us. They will let us down and they will never deliver anything. You fill in the blank. The things of the world will never, never deliver what they promised. From John First John chapter two fifteen, John writes this listen to what what John was inspired by the Lord to write he says do not love the world or anything in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for everything in the world the craving of sinful man the lust of his eyes and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the father but from the world See, giving up our place at his table, giving up our seat at his banquet table is utter foolishness. Because that place at the table symbolizes your salvation. And giving up your place is releasing what God has blessed you with. There is no person, there is no place, there is no thing in this world that could possibly be worth missing it. Not all the wealth in the world, not all of the pleasures of man. Nothing is in comparison to the amazing food that God serves your soul. See, at God's table, he satisfies our hunger and our thirst for righteousness and see it's god's food that fills us and makes us spiritually alive right now god's food isn't for making us alive later god's food is to bring us to spiritual life right now and it's so that we can live forever in his presence we don't have to wait we don't have to wait for tomorrow okay so so now we we realize that it's foolishness for, uh, for giving up our table because of what we'll miss. It's, it's foolish enough recognizing that such actions will lead us into a life of darkness and loneliness, that this sad substitution that we make brings us apart from God. But the most compelling reason why I want to implore all of you today, all of you up there in the balcony, everyone here, the most compelling reasons that I, that I want to submit to you today about not surrendering your table or your place, rather, at God's table is that there are eternal consequences to your actions. It's not just missing out on the food. It's not just missing out on his presence. It is eternally missing out on his presence, I want to read to you the rest of this parable, but I want to actually read the very end. So go to verse 24, or skip to verse 24. We'll read the rest of what we did not read here momentarily. But in verse 24 of this parable, Jesus ends this parable with the words of the man who was giving the banquet, which we know is Yahweh. It's the father here. And he says something interesting. He says, I tell you. Not one of those men who were invited will get to taste my banquet. You see, God's people at that time, and even still today, their hearts were hardened towards his invitation to his table. And they were excluded as a result from his table in time and in eternity, that they would never taste from his table that it was they who were excluded from it forever. And I want to point something out here before I continue. This is not, and people will try to use this, This is not a scripture which a lot of people try to use to support this replacement theology. And if you don't know what that is, very quickly, that is this idea that the church replaced Israel in God's plans. That is a lie. It is heresy. That is a false doctrine. And I know people would twist this scripture to imply that. But what's happening here is they're getting lost in the details of the story and they're missing the point. See, this is about God saying, There is no second chance. If you miss my invitation, you will not get another. But see, before that happens, and let's go back and read the remainder of the scripture here. God says, Here in the scripture, in verse 21. After he got all these excuses, it says that the slave came back and reported this to his master. And then the head of the household became angry and said to the slave, Go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Lord, aren't we all of the above? And the slave said, Master, what you've commanded has been done. And still, I circled this in my Bible, and maybe you should too. It says, and still there is room. And the master said to the slave, then go into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. This is the point of this parable. This very passage that I read you is the crux, is the point of this parable. Beloved, you got to pay attention. If you fell asleep, I need you to wake up right now, okay? If I put you to sleep, this is important. I don't want you to miss this. This is a warning, beloved. I need you all to hear this. This is a warning for us not to surrender our place at God's banquet table. There is still room for every single one of us. There is room if you are lost, if you are strayed from God, or if you have not received him into your life and into your heart today, God says, there is still room at my table. Invite them all to come in. The lame, the broken, the crippled. God says, I don't care what you look like. I don't care what your circumstances are and what your situation is. It doesn't matter to me what you did. You are welcome at my table. Wow. That got me so excited, but here's the consequence. If you say no, and he loves you enough to allow you to do that, if you say no, you will be left in outer darkness and in total separation from he who gives life for eternity. I can't sugarcoat it, guys. I have to give you the fullness of the word. You will be lost in utter darkness. If you make an excuse now, you will have no excuse on the day of judgment. I'm going to say that again for emphasis. If you make excuses now about why you cannot come to his table, you will have no excuse at the day of judgment. Because he gave you a chance. Now I want you to recall for a moment how polite... These people were in their excuses. Thank you, but no thank you. And so that's okay, right? I mean, they were nice to God. I mean, they were polite. And so, isn't that okay? Like, isn't it, wouldn't it be okay with God if we just politely say thank you, no thank you? Well, that's what a lot of us think. We fool ourselves to thinking that that's okay. And here is what I believe is the application for our lives today as we examine this text. We can fool ourselves into thinking that being polite with God is going to be okay. That God will love us and he will forgive us because the world tells us that he's all loving and he's all forgiving and he's just that. That he's not righteous and he's not just and he's not the judge. But let me tell you, beloved, there are consequences to saying thank you, no thank you. Let me read you this final scripture, because I I firmly believe, and the scripture attests to this, that there's no second chance. Then when God closes the doors to his grand banquet room for the last time, it will not open again. There will not be, can I come in? There won't be any of that. Let me read to you from Revelations 3. As we begin to close here, I want to read to you from Revelations 3 and verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus as he reads his message to the church of Laodicea. He says to the church, he says, and he speaks to us today. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, And opens the door, I will come in. I will dine with him and he with me. You know, today is a day we don't have to put off. Today is a day where we can say yes to our place at the table. Today is a day where we can, with faith in Jesus and Jesus alone, that we can receive and accept and sit in our rightful place with him now is the time where we can eat from his banquet table forever you don't have to wait until eternity is everyone hear me up there is everyone hear me back there you don't have to wait until eternity to feast from his table he says come now and enjoy the fruits and the blessings of my table right now you know as i prepared for my sermon, I went online and I did a quick Google search for excuses. I specifically looked up um, excuses of why people don't go to church. I want to read a few of these. Some are funny, some are not. But I want to read to you these excuses. The first one was, I go to brunch, so I can't go to church. Okay, I like my chicken wings and bacon too. The second one says, church is full of hypocrites. Another excuse says, well, I'm against organized religion. Others have said, "Uh, church people hate you fill in the group, right? And others say, well, I don't believe in God. Some people say, well, people at church are so judgmental. Others have said, well, um, I don't really believe in God. And others have said, well, somebody hurt me a long time ago in church, so I, I really can't go back into that place. You know, at the end of it, none of those excuses really hold any water because they're all based on a lie. They're all based on a single lie from the enemy that tells you whatever he thinks he needs to tell you to keep you from your rightful place. So as I close, I want to make these couple final points here. This parable of this great banquet Jesus warns us about making excuses, guys. He warns us about making excuses and surrendering our rightful place at his table. So I pray today that um, we take these warning, this warning to heart, that we not make excuses and that we be encouraged um, and we realize that these excuses will make us miss out on more than words can possibly comprehend that this um, great banquet table is for right now and that we can eat it we can receive the bread of life we can receive god's invigorating and living water today and so right now i invite all of you to come to the table